Welcome to Knowing Him. This is Steve Danielson. And this is Angie Danielson. Join us each week as we explore the hymns of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and share our feelings, insights, and reflections about how each one brings us closer to Jesus Christ. Enjoy your favorites and find some undiscovered gems in our journey to knowing Him. Welcome, friends, to today's episode of Knowing Him. I'm your host, Steve Danielson, here with my co-host that I fell for the first time I saw her, my lovely wife, Angie. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) So my description of Angie today doesn't come directly from the hymn we're talking about, but from the scripture referenced by the hymn. Uh, The scripture is found in the Book of Mormon, 2 Nephi 2.25, Adam fell that men might be, and men are that they might have joy. So Adam fell for mankind, I fell for Angie. (laughs) You're ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, So we are talking today about hymn number 275, Men Are That They Might Have Joy. And if I understand right, Angie, this is one that you weren't really familiar with before you selected it. That's right. I I'd never really heard of this song before, but I was flipping through the hymn book and was looking at the Iron Rod, which is the song just before it on the same page. And I was like, looked over and was like, men are that they might have joy. I know that scripture, but like, I didn't know we had a hymn. <laughs> and so I was curious and wanted to know more about it. So I decided to do one that I have never known before or sung yeah often. so the the scripture is definitely well known yeah you know for eons seminary students <laughs> have had to to learn it uh as part of the scripture mastery and then doctrinal mastery as they do now um we'll talk but, about the scripture more in depth later okay uh so let's dive into this hymn it it's one i didn't know a lot about either so yeah let's, it's interesting let's find out <laughs> what do we got well first i just want to read the words A voice hath spoken from the dust, its message pure without alloy, of treasured hope and sacred trust. O men are that they might have joy. Should sorrow come, we'll not despair, for he would not that men should pine. The grief that comes we'll learn to bear, until again the sun doth shine. Before the Lord then humbly go, his message will our spirits buoy. On us his blessings he'll bestow, for men are that they might have joy. So, um, it sounds like it's talking about the restoration of the gospel, the gospel coming forth. Um, I thought the word alloy was interesting in there because they were trying to find rhymes for joy. Yeah. (laughs) He found some pretty creative ones. Yeah. Why do you think he used alloy? So I looked it up, and alloy is like a mix of two different metals. So I'm thinking that what he means is when the gospel was restored and came forth out of the ground from the dust, which is a term that comes from the Book of Mormon, saying that the the words of the people in the Book of Mormon would speak from the dust. So that's referring to the coming forth of the Book of Mormon. He's saying its message was pure without alloy, like not mixed with false doctrines and stuff. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably what he means, you know. Um, So it was the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I thought that was really sort of cool symbolism in there that the the gospel of Jesus Christ is pure. It doesn't even need to be mixed with anything. It's just pure in in its presentation. Yeah. Yeah. So... I found out some interesting things about the author of the text and the end of the music. 
So the text was written by J. Marinus Jensen, and it said that it, the J either stood for James or Jens. So I'm thinking that Jens is probably the original, and that because his parents were Danish immigrants, uh-huh. and then it got maybe got changed to James, you know, and yeah. Americanized. <laughs> but he was born in America. He was born in 1868 in Provo, Utah. <clears throat> um, so his parents had were pioneers and had come to Utah. Um, he was in the Provo Dramatic Club, which was like an acting troupe that traveled around, and um, he did that for a while. And then um, he got married to Eliza Emmeline Strong in the Manti Temple, and they didn't have any of their own children, but they had a young girl named Essie Keeler that they were foster parents to. Okay. And Keeler sounds familiar because that's the name of our... The composer of the music. So, so you say foster daughter. Um, I'm thinking it, you and I are actually in the middle of reading the Great Brain book series um, by John Fitzgerald. And in there it refers to the younger brother, Frankie, who was a foster son. But really it was an adoption. But they still referred to him as a foster brother. I'm thinking this sounds like that same sort of relationship where... This foster daughter was really like an adopted daughter for them. Maybe. I mean, it, it would have been around the same time yeah, period. Yeah, this, this the would have been the same time that, yeah. So it could be. Um, but what were you, what did you learn about J.J. Keeler, that he, how yeah, he was related? So he, he is uh, Marius Jensen's uh, grandson. So I guess through this foster daughter. Yeah, uh, somehow. So uh, J. Marius... Jensen wrote the words to this and then sent it to his grandson, who is a musician, and said, I'd like you to put words to it. Uh, And I've had that happen to me. My mom actually has written a couple hymn texts and sent them to me and say, I'd I'd really like this set to music. So I've written a couple hymns based on the texts that she sent me. Yeah. So I thought that was cool that they were related to each other. Um, So um, Jay Marinus Jensen... He um, was a teacher in Provo, and he got his bachelor's degree in pedagogy from Brigham Young Academy. Um, and he was the first principal of Mazer Elementary School, which I thought and was cool. Why is that so important, Angie? <laughs> because I worked there when we were first married, yeah. so I thought that was pretty cool. Right there in Provo, yeah. Mazer Elementary School. And it was it's it was a pretty old. I mean, it was still the same structure from back in the 1800s when I worked yeah. there. It's no longer a school anymore. Yeah, they, they turned it into apartments or something. Yeah, I think they remodeled it and turned it into apartments. Um, but in the early 2000s, it was still an elementary school. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a cool connection to this guy. But even the, <laughs> the apartments, they kept the name Mazer on the front of the building, Yeah, the right? building yeah. still looks the same. Okay. So they kept the old-looking style of the building and stuff, which is cool. I like that. Um, well, Jay Marinas, your building is... Still standing, still there. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) So he worked at BYU in the English department, and he actually founded the journalism program at BYU. Oh, So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, And he was a reporter for the Provo Inquirer, which I guess was a a newspaper that they had there. (laughs) So he was mostly a reporter and journalist uh, in his work. It sounds like it, yeah. Um, 
And he actually wrote a history of Provo, of the city of Provo. Oh, really? Yeah. So I found online all sorts of places where you can buy it. And <laughs> it looks like it's out of print, but you can get old copies of it uh-huh. <laughs> off of eBay or get something. A, a used copy? That would be yeah. pretty interesting. And it said he wrote a history of the university as well. So hmm. that would be interesting also. Um, and another thing I thought was funny, it said he was the bishop of the Manavu Ward, and when we were at BYU and we were single, we used to go to that Manavu Chapel for our ward prayer <laughs> in our singles ward. Yeah, for those that don't know what ward prayer is, every Sunday night our ward would all gather at the Manavu Chapel and we would say a prayer together, a little social time as well. Uh, but we would gather together, have some brief announcements, say a prayer together, and that would sort of have refreshments. Have refreshments. Yeah. That would be a, a nice start to the, to the week. But yeah, it was in that building. And it was a really old a chapel. It, it was, was like, yeah, really tiny and old. It definitely looked like it was from a very long time ago. So, so. Jay Marinas <laughs> apparently lived really close to where we lived when we were single. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it says he died in 1946. So that building's got to be older than that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Did you learn anything else about him? No, I think that was... Pretty much everything that I had seen about him as well. Uh, so what do we know about J.J. Keeler? So his name is, is Joseph Jensen Keeler. Um, I'm assuming he went by J.J. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, what, that's how I keep saying the <laughs> references is J.J. So. Yeah. He was born in 1913, and he was a mu- music educator and an organist. And he he actually created the organ department at BYU. So we've got so, his grandpa forming the, what, journalism. the journalism department, and then J.J. Keeler comes and forms the organ department. They're yeah. pretty <laughs> instrumental in, and no pun intended, pretty <laughs> instrumental in, what, yeah. in what's happening at the school there. And he was the head of that department for 40 years, so it's a long time. Yeah, it was funny. I was... Um, I was looking up, you know, old hymn books where this hymn had appeared, and, and I was like, oh, I wonder if it's in the 1927 hymn book. And I was like, wait a second. J.J. Keeler was born in 1913. <laughs> he would have only been 14 years old when this hymn book came out. Probably not. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it was in the 1948 one? It was, yes. Yeah. In the 1948 hymn book, it was in there. So um, he went to BYU and got a bachelor's and master's in music. And it said that he studied famous with lots of famous organists. Um, I didn't write down all their names. I didn't recognize <laughs> any of them. But he f- studied with uh, organists from the Salt Lake Tabernacle, the Chicago Musical College, Leipzig Conservatory of Music, Westminster Abbey. So yeah, <laughs> he I'd, went all I over the place. He went to Germany to study for a while. Yeah. Some funny facts about him. I thought it was funny that this was in his bio that... He was an avid fan of Utah mining history. Oh. <laughs> That's like totally random. <laughs> like he, he was so musical and all this stuff. And then he had like this little mining thing that he enjoyed. Yeah. He, he'd be impressed by the Bingham Copper Mine now. That's the, right. The things that they are doing up there, the giant trucks. Ooh, yeah. Those are gigantic. So it also said he greatly admired Albert Schweitzer and would put on concerts to raise money to benefit like Jewish people, I guess, or, oh, yeah, cool. his cause, Albert Schweitzer's cause. So I thought that was cool. And he died in 1996. So, yeah, it was interesting to learn about him. I saw some pictures of him on online as well, <laughs> sitting at the organ. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a, a good place for him. <laughs> yeah. 
So what what else do you know about him, or do you find anything else out about J.J. Um, Keeler? I don't think I have anything about him in particular that we haven't already mentioned. I think we, yeah, I think we covered all the things that I had read about him as well. Yeah, for both J.J. Keeler and J. Marinus Jensen, this is the only <laughs> hymn that they that they have in the hymn book. Yeah. Uh, it did say that J.J. Keeler did some other hymn arrangements and things like that. I mean, he's an organist, so he's probably playing hymn stuff all the time and, um, you know, just as a course of his work. Um, he does have other hymn arrangements, but this is the only hymn that he composed that's in the hymn book now. Mm-hmm. And what were you saying about the version in the 1948 yeah, hymn book? So this is sort of my thing, to go back into the hymn books and see how they... Compare. Compare. Yeah. Uh, so in the 1948 hymn book, uh, well, in the later edition when they sort of put the congregational and then the choir numbers and things like that into sections. So this is in the choir section into the congregational, and it's actually a, a step higher, so it's E flat uh, instead of D. It is in D in the hymn book there, right? Yeah. No, it's even... No, yeah, okay. So it's a step lower. Sorry. It was in A-flat, now it's in G. There we go. <laughs> I can read key signatures. Um, sorry, I was looking at the first note instead of the key. Um, so they lowered it a uh, half step for the 1985 hymn book. And they actually changed the ending as well. Uh, so the ending, as it is in 1985, has a minor sixth leap in the uh, third to last measure, whereas in the 1948, it's a full octave leap. And they had to change some of the notes. They were just trying to make it a little bit friendlier for congregational yeah. singing instead of a choir. Uh, and I will say, it is easier to sing on that minor sixth than seven yeah. octave. <laughs> so a lot of the hymns in the 1948 hymn book were just called by the first line of the song. So in that hymn book, it's called, A Voice Hath Spoken From the Dust. Yeah. So that and was one of the things they changed in the 1985 hymn book was they changed a lot of the names of the songs to something different in the hymn than just the first line of the hymn. Yeah, the, uh, in the uh, Our Latter-day Hymns book, um, they said that as they made that choice, it was to reflect more of the mood of the song. Uh, Men Are They Might Have Joy is a more inviting title um, and sort of gives a, a reflection of the, the meaning. overall meaning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Men Are That They Might Have Joy, that's... The, that's what we want to say with this. The voice hath spoken from the dust doesn't really get to the meaning of that. You know, it it's a great beginning. Yeah. Because you <laughs> want to know, where what is this voice? What is it saying to me? But now it's saying, this is what the voice is saying. Yeah. Yeah. So let's turn to the scriptures. So um, this, this phrase comes from 2 Nephi chapter 2. And so I was wondering, like, why, why did um, um, J. Marinus Jensen use this phrase in his, in his song? And um, as I read the words of the hymn, and then I read Second Nephi chapter 2 today, um, I just felt like, you know, he's talking about the coming forth of the Book of Mormon and the restoration of the gospel. And Second Nephi chapter 2 is one of the most, doctrinally rich chapters in the Book of Mormon. You know, it talks about the atonement and the fall of Adam and Eve and um, how we need, we need opposition in all things and 
we need to be agents unto ourselves and make choices, but we also need the Savior, and we really can't do anything, can't get back to our Heavenly Father without Him. Um, and we're completely cut off without the Savior, but the Lord provided this way um, back and talks about Adam and Eve going through that where they fell from the Garden of Eden and they had to leave and then how the Lord gave them a chance to be able to to repent and to be able to prepare themselves to return to live with, with him. And I just wanted to read the um, couple verses before verse 25, which is the one where it says men are that they might have joy, and the one just after. So <clears throat> I'm going to start in um, verse, tw- um, let's see, I'll start in verse 22. It says, and now behold, if Adam had not transgressed, he would not have fallen, but he would have remained in the Garden of Eden. And all things which were created must have remained in the same state in which they were after they were created. And they must have remained forever and had no end. And they would have had no children, wherefore they would have remained in a state of innocence, having no joy, for they knew no misery, doing no good, for they knew no sin. But behold, all things have been done in the wisdom of him who knoweth all things. Adam fell that men might be, and men are that they might have joy. And the Messiah cometh in the fullness of time, that he may redeem the children of men from the fall. And because that they are redeemed from the fall, they have become free forever, knowing good from evil, to act for themselves and not to be acted upon, save it be by the punishment of the law at the great and last day, according to the commandments which God hath given. So, I love that, that... um, Adam and Eve hadn't left the Garden of Eden, we wouldn't be here today. And that's, that's a doctrine that we learn from the Book of Mormon. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not understood just with the Bible alone. Um, having the Bible and the Book of Mormon together really clarifies the fall of Adam and Eve. And um, they had to, to leave the Garden of Eden so that we could come to the earth. And the Lord wants us to be here and have joy. And even though we're going to experience hardships, he also wants us to have joy. At the beginning of the chapter, it talks about opposition in all things. And that's the opposition. Like, we need uh, sorrow and joy. We wouldn't know joy if we didn't have sorrow. We wouldn't have any clue. Like, when they were in the Garden of Eden, they were innocent, like little children who don't really know the difference between joy and sorrow. Um, And then it says... And the Messiah cometh in the fullness of time. So then we're going back to the atonement, that making a full circle that they needed the Savior as well. <clears throat> kind of reminds me of like, um, you know, when we get married in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, it's not only a husband and wife that are part of the marriage, but the Lord is part of the marriage as well. So it's like a triangle, mm-hmm. you and your your spouse and the Lord. And that's kind of like how it was here. It was Adam and Eve and the Lord. And they were working with him to be able to return to Heavenly Father. Yeah. So. This this chapter really makes clear that the fall of Adam wasn't a bad thing. Yes, it was a, a sin for them to take of the forbidden fruit. But that had to happen for the plan of to God forward. to move forward. Yeah. 
they couldn't have children. They had to leave the garden so they could experience mortality. You know, as that first part of verse 25 says, Adam fell, that men might be. They, they had to do that so that we could be here. But then, of course, there's that second part. Men are that they might have joy. And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that brings joy. You know, the world teaches us the sorrow and the gospel teaches us the joy. Yeah. And that, that's, that's sort of how we can be in the world but not of the world. We can be part of what is happening and we can experience that sorrow. But then it's the gospel that helps bring us out of the world and helps helps us find true joy, not just happiness, not pleasure in in worldly things, but true joy. Um, joy that we can feel even when things are hard. You know, we've talked about that in several of the hymns we've talked about with these people that can find gratitude and joy in their surroundings, even when they're being persecuted, chased out of their homes, you know, having tremendous storms and things around them. And yet they can still find this joy inside and say, blessed be the name of God. Um, it's pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah. We have to have the sorrow to understand the joy. So that's why I think that he was talking about in this in this hymn, you know, that that was the the joyful message that was coming out of the dust, mm-hmm. was coming from the restoration of the gospel. So yeah. I really... That made me appreciate this hymn that I didn't know anything about. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a great hymn, and I think we should Sing petition to have it sung in sacrament. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. So, as we said, this is not one that we are familiar as familiar with, and so we're going to attempt to sing this. And if we make mistakes, please forgive us. A voice hath spoken from the dust, its message pure without alloy of treasured hope and sacred trust. O men are that they might have joy. Should sorrow come, we'll not despair, for he would not that men should pine. The grief that comes we'll learn to bear until again the sun doth shine. Before the Lord then humbly go, His message will our spirits buoy. On us His blessings He'll bestow, for men are that they might have joy. Well, friends, thank you for joining us today as we discussed the hymn, Men Are That They Might Have Joy. As always, it's a joy to be with you and to discuss the hymns. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend that you think would enjoy it. If you'd like to connect with us, please email us at knowinghim at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think about the podcast and about the hymns. 
In the meantime, I hope you'll join us next week as we sing our way to knowing him.